Good morning. Thank you for being here today. My name is Rick Hazeb. I'm one of the one of the ministers here along with you at First City, just serving our community. I want to tell you just thanks for coming and participating with us in the ministry of the gospel. We are, after our first week, into our second week now of our prayer and fasting. And so really, if by now, for those of you who are participating in it, you're beginning to realize, I mean, the first few days, it's like what we decided to give up. And so if you decided to give up food, all food except liquids or uh, snacks or dessert or whatever it is you decided to give up, it, it begins to mess with your system. It begins to mess with your routine. It begins to, oh, that's right, I'm not supposed to have that chocolate cake or that's right, I'm not supposed to... And so once it starts and you begin to realize my thinking has to be different, I'm going into this differently, you begin to realize it's less about what I'm giving up and more about what I'm wanting to take on. And so if you're eating differently, God bless you. If if you're cutting something out, God bless you. Whatever it is that you're giving up, our focus is not what we're giving up. In fact, I really don't even want it to be legalistically about, well, I said that I wasn't going to have any of this, so I can't have it no matter what. Or, man, I've been doing without coffee now, and I'm running short with everybody. If Listen, it's, it's, I don't want us to be so dogmatic about what it is that we're giving up that we're, we, we, we focus on that. Our focus is on this. God, we want more of you inside all of us. Uh, we, we, now that, that you've got our attention, because we've given up something that, that we find really good, but we're wanting to replace it with something, God, that is much better, then that's where our focus is. And so if you didn't participate in the first week, but you want to join us, man, this is the perfect time to begin joining us. And so our idea is this. Fasting is the giving up of something. I know some people who have given up Facebook, or they've given up, uh, you know, just internet or texting or whatever it is. Others have given up food in different kinds of ways. And so whatever it is you decide, this is something that captures too much of my time or I, I, I can easily give that up and then begin to create more time, more focus on what I think God is calling me to or a better relationship with him. And so instead of doing that, I'm going to start doing this. And so all week, you know, you can just begin it and, and God's going to come into your mind. And or every time, you know, your stomach growls a little bit, it's just continuing your prayer. So maybe, you know, maybe you're finding that I'm praying a lot more, you know, because my stomach's growling a lot or whatever that is. So you just open up a prayer in the morning. Good morning, God. Thank you for creating today. Since you did, I'm going to live it for you. I'm excited to see what you're going to be doing today. And then as you go, every time, then you're like, okay, Lord, here I'm here I'm again. Sustain my life. I'm focused on you. Draw me in. What do you want from me, Lord God? You have my full attention, you know, and so it's all day long. You know, you're doing that. And then you go to bed at night, thank you for today. And then I love what Matt Campbell does. At the end of his day, he just says, here are three things, God, you taught me today. And I'm so grateful for those, those three things. And then you get up in the morning and you say, okay, good morning, God. You know, and just continue. So, so thank you for participating with us. Thank you for taking it seriously. There's several people I need to think about a lot of things. I've just, in my mind, I've just uh, been focusing on all the people who are just giving and sharing 
and, and using their talents. And there are two or three. Randy Bowman would kill me if I used his name, so I'm not going to use his name. But there's a guy who, who comes around our building and piddles a lot. And uh, he's just off the sweat of his brow pouring out all of his energy into doing little things around this building that you may never notice but make a big deal. This week, while, if you know Lee and Daryl Lee, they'd probably kill me too, so I'm not going to mention their name, but downstairs there's this couple, and they do a lot with our growth track. And the husband, his name is Lee, he laid carpet down all in the back in our children's area, all down the hall. It looks so good. We need to get him a chiropractic appointment, so we need to write that down, you know. But, uh, but these two gentlemen, Andy Cruz, uh, came in and for nothing, just painted downstairs, down the hall. And uh, we knew he was going to do that because he told us he wanted to do something. And so he just came and brought his crew and they just did it. But typical Andy Cruz, he didn't just stop there. He had his guy pressure washing the whole sidewalk all down the side just because he saw it needed to be done. And I can't thank you enough. I love you so much. And there, and there are other people who are just here serving, moving, just doing things, cleaning up. You know, uh, uh, Christina Barnes yesterday, she just said, I just want to prepare the building just for Sunday. So she's picking up trash and doing things and putting things in pews. And there's so many of you who do so much stuff. I'm just so grateful for you. You are a serving family. And I'm honored to be a part of this family. So I just want to pray as we begin our message today. We're going to be in the book of Ezekiel. We're going to let him speak to us. And then we're going to talk a little bit about how God may put breath in our lungs. I'm going to show you that Bible story today. And draw us into more of his reality so that we can do something in his name and his honor. Would you pray with me? Lord God, right now at the beginning of this message, let your Holy Spirit speak deep into our soul. There's something longing inside all of us that wants more of you. And right now, God, we're in the middle of just creating some space for you. We're giving up some things that are probably really good things, but they don't compare to you, your glory, your spirit, your son, more of you inside all of us. And so as we just begin setting some things aside so that you can fill us more, just convict our hearts, give us peace. Lord God, give us your presence there, there are a lot of things that bother us that come into our mind. There, oftentimes, we, our whole schedule is rocked by things that we didn't expect. But Lord God, we trust you and we're following after you. And so speak to us, lead us. And today in this message, let the prophet Ezekiel speak into our lives. Tell us his story so that we can get a glimpse of what you might also be able to do through us here in Pensacola in 2019. And we give you all the honor and glory in the name of Jesus. Amen. So God bless you. So, so if you have the outline, which is in the pew rack in front of you, we're going to start with this. Our task is just to get a before and after picture of what it is that God may be doing. And so I want to use as a backdrop uh, Ezekiel. But before I get into that, you know cities have rhythms, right? 
I mean, they're hometown, small, rural communities all over our nation have this feel of we're just family. You know, there are industrial cities, manufacturing cities. There are farming communities. There are metropolitan, huge metropolitan areas. But each city tries to create a feel, you know, a, a, a vibe, you know, for their city. And, and you know this is true. Here are some that are pretty famous. Now, this is one right here, uh, Las Vegas. Now, that city has a rhythm to it. What are they known for? Gambling. Gambling. They have a motto. Sin. Sin. (laughs) That's Andy for you right there. Just bottom line it out. What happens here? That's right. Bring us your sin and your secrets, and we'll just let those be the foundation of our city. Okay, so there's your rhythm. It's it's, it's just a rhythm. We're, We're fun, and you can do whatever, and nobody has to know. Okay. So if that's the, and now listen, I know there are great people, great Christians who are trying to make a difference in that city, but just, so here's another city, New York City. They're the, they're the city that never sleeps. And, and, and what is it about that city that, you know, they say makes them great, right? They have the financial district and they have Broadway and, and they have Times Square and New Year's Eve and man, what a great city. Right, but, and, but they have a rhythm to their city. And they're known for certain things, and people go there, you know, because of that. Well, here's one just a little closer to home. What about? I heard somebody. Ooh, it's on. Okay, what what are they known for? Food. Yeah, yeah. I was watching Triple D on the Food Channel the other night, and they did a little place, and I'm like, I would love to go and eat that. Right? And, and Mardi Gras and Bourbon Street. Okay, so they have a... Here's, here's another one down in Florida. What about Orlando? Disney, right? And family and vacation and vacation here was their motto for a long time, especially in the 80s and 90s. I don't know what it is right now. You know, but they have a rhythm. What about this one right here? Yep, so I just had, you know, I mean, are we, we're, are, are we known for our beaches? And those whites, you know, are we known for blue angels? Are we known for this revitalized downtown? I'm going to tell you something. I love our city. Amen. Do you? I love our city. And I love the pride that our city is having in rebuilding because, I mean, it just, we have a rhythm. You know, we build and a hurricane will tear it down. And we build and a hurricane will tear it down. We build and a hurricane. We're fighters. We have a military town. What are we known for? So now God comes down and speaks to this young kid named Ezekiel. Now, Ezekiel, let me just, let's just begin reading a little bit about Ezekiel. I'm telling you, I wish I had the time to go through his whole book. Maybe we will. I'm not doing it today. This is going to be just a, this is the Cliff Notes version of Ezekiel. But maybe, you know, like last year we went through the book of Daniel and we went through the book of Jonah and, and we went through Proverbs. Maybe, you know, in the next, next year we'll go through Ezekiel. In chapter 1, God shows up in a big, powerful way, and it scares Ezekiel to death. It would have scared me, too, if I'd have been 25 years old. And it just scares him to death. You know, but then in chapter 2, God starts speaking to him. Let's just read a little bit of his story. Ezekiel chapter 2, verse 1. Stand up, son of man, said the voice. I want to speak with you. 
And then the Spirit came into me as he spoke, and he set me on my feet, and I listened carefully to his words. Can you just stop right there? So here's Ezekiel. Now, he's 25 years old. He was called to be a priest when he was younger, but at age 25, actually he's he's 30 in this verse, but when he was 25 years old, the Babylonians came into Jerusalem and they besieged Jerusalem and they took two waves of slaves away from Jerusalem, up north, over into what we now call Iran. And so, and Iraq, that whole area over there. And so, he is a slave. The first group, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and some of those young guys went over. Ezekiel was part of the second wave of slaves that went over. Now he's in a foreign land, and he is allowed to just roam throughout the city wherever he wants to go. He can get a job. There's one thing he cannot do, and that's serve as a priest. In that time, the law was, a priest could only serve in Jerusalem at the temple. And so Ezekiel is an out-of-work priest. And before he gets too comfortable without God, God comes to him. And he says, I need you. Now, this was five years later. So he's 30 years old. And this is the beginning of when God is calling Ezekiel to be a prophet. A prophet. Just, I need you to speak to God's people. I need you to motivate them to get involved because I've been looking at your city. I've been looking at Jerusalem. I've been looking at God's people. And they're scattered. They're hurting. Things are not good. And somebody needs to do something about it. So let's continue. Son of man, he said, I am sending you to the nation of Israel, a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. They and their ancestors have been rebelling against me to this very day. They're stubborn and hard-hearted people. But I'm sending you to say to them... This is what the Sovereign Lord says. And whether they listen or refuse to listen, for remember, they are rebels. At least they will know they have had a prophet among them. And he's saying, listen, Ezekiel, I've been roaming around and I've been looking at the rhythm of this city. Jerusalem is torn apart. People are scattered. And much worse, the leaders who were supposed to hold it together, who were supposed to call on me to keep everything together, they're not doing their job. And so the verse we're going to read next, all the sheep are scattered and nobody's doing anything about it. And so it's almost like he's coming to Ezekiel and he's saying this, you live in a town that is not running after the things of God. And their life is hurting, and there's a lot of suffering going on. Are you okay with that? Because I'm not. And so I'm calling you to go to this hard-hearted, rebellious, stubborn, hurting, wounded city and do something. Will you do it? He's 30. And he says, I'll go. Over the next few chapters of his book, he's taking this message to a bunch of different groups. And as he's taking the message to a bunch of groups, all, they're all saying basically the same thing. Who am I? What am I going to do? Who am I? What am I going to do? I can't do anything. I don't want to do anything. Go call somebody else. Go do something else. Or they're not listening at all. And by the time you get to chapter 34, God gives him another vision. Now, Ezekiel... He talks in these real colorful word pictures. He loves telling stories. And so everything he talks about is is a word picture. And so he's going to give you a word picture in chapter 34. You know, just about 
uh, shepherds and sheep. He's like, okay, God's people, the leaders of God's people, we're going we're gonna, to, I'm going to have a vision that we were supposed to be shepherds watching over a whole city of sheep. And now what are we going to do with that? So let's just read chapter 34. Then the message came to me from the Lord, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds and the leaders of Israel. I'm just going to tell you, this scripture impacts me as a, as a pastor, you know, probably as much as any other chapter in all of the Bible. Prophesy against the shepherds. Now, he's not talking about, our, we have three shepherds that, you know, Alan and, Le, and uh, Leon and Clarence. He's not talking about those who have this title of shepherd. He's talking about any of you that walk with God, that should be standing for God, and are not. Okay? But he's saying, you guys are, all of the saved should be leading all of the lost. So that's the way we should read this. Give them this message from the sovereign Lord. What sorrow awaits you, shepherds, who feed yourself instead of your flocks? Shouldn't shepherds feed their sheep? Now that is for your pastors at this church and your shepherds at this church and our dream team leaders at this church and our small group leaders at this church. It is for all of us. Shouldn't we be raising up disciples, feeding our sheep? He continues, you drink the milk, you wear the wool, you butcher the best animals, but you let your flocks starve. You have not taken care of the weak. You have not tended the sick or bound up the injured. You have not gone looking for those who have wandered away and are lost. Instead, you have ruled them with harshness and cruelty. So my sheep have been scattered without a shepherd. And they are easy prey for any wild animal. They have wandered through all the mountains and all the hills and across all the face of the earth. Yet no one has gone to search for them. On your outline, I call it, this is our biggest challenge. And it's apathy. He's like, I'm just, I'm, I'm going around and I'm calling all these people. I'm calling you to get involved, to do something, to stop just focusing only on your life and to open your eyes to those in your community that are hurting. And nobody wants to do it. Everybody's like, you know what? As long as I've got food in my refrigerator and, and, and food on my table and as long as I roof them, as long as I'm good, I don't really care about those that are hurting and lost and scattered. And so he's, he continues. He's like, I'm going to hold this against you and I'm removing it from you and I'm going to punish you. Those of you, those of us, he's pointing at me. So I'm going to preach to me right now. And if you want to listen in, listen in. Rick, I've called you to get outside of yourself and to go do something for the hurting people. And I've asked you, and I've asked you, and I've asked you, and I've asked you, and you've been way too content not to do it. And if you were to continue reading, he's saying, okay, now I'm holding you responsible. I'm removing you from your position because you only did it to feed yourself. You are no longer useful to me. You're removed from your position. You're going to answer me to me one day. And now, in fact, the next few verses in chapter 34, starting in verse 11, I'm just going to read scattered through it. 
I myself will search and find my sheep. I will be a shepherd to them. I will find my sheep. I will rescue them. I will bring them back. I will feed them. I will give them good pasture land. I myself will tend to my sheep. I will search for my last lost ones. I will bring them home safely. I will bandage the injured. I will strengthen the weak. I will destroy those who are the powerful and only feed themselves. I will be their judge. Wow. God's like, I ask you and I ask you and I ask you and I ask you. And there's going to come a point where I'm no longer going to ask you. I'm going to eliminate you. And I'm going to do it myself and raise up somebody else who will help me. That's just, that's just a harsh scripture to me. But I think if I'm just making application to who we are and what's going on in our city, the first thing that God's going to give us is this vision. I want you to get this before picture. I want you to look at what's going on all around you. At, at, all the, at all the heartache and, and the heartbreak and the misery and the pain. And all those who are really, really struggle, struggling and really, really suffering. And, and next week, I'll probably give you more of the statistics. But I got a real data. I want to thank you, Brad and, and Jen and Michelle, for giving me these real statistics. And, you know, just in, about what's going on in our city. We have more hurting children who are abandoned and who are lost and who are having to go into foster care and, and, and in-home care than any place else in Florida per capita, meaning this, the four biggest areas where children are being abused and wounded and hurt are Pensacola, Tampa, Orlando, and Miami. Jacksonville's close, but we have more really than Jacksonville. Than Jacksonville. And they have 1.2 million people. Orlando, 1.8. Tampa, 1.8. Miami, 6.2 million. We have less than 500,000. And as many hurting, wounded children here as any place all over the state. How can that be? How can that be that our population can be so little, but the pain and the abuse so great? So we didn't ask for that. When Ezekiel came onto the scene, he didn't ask for what he walked into. He didn't ask for the leaders to not do their job, so he was hauled off into slavery. He didn't ask for all the pain and all the abuse. God just asked him, are you going to do something about it? And Ezekiel said, yes. And so next, by the time you get to chapter 37, this is what we just sang. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise to you only, right? It's, your, it's just all the earth will sing your praise. My bones will ache and yearn for more of you. Ezekiel 37. So God says, okay, I want to give you a vision of the way it should be. And, and, and here is our, and on the back of your outline, I just called it this. Our first step is to speak it into reality. Read this with me. Chapter 37. The Lord took hold of me and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord in the valley. Here he is again. He's going to tell you a story. And he's got this, it's just all this vision. It's just, it's, it's wonderful how he draws these word pictures. Carried away by the Spirit of the Lord in the valley of bones. And it was full of bones, dead bones. And he led me all around the among the bones, and they covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground. They were completely dried out. And then he asked me, Son of man, can these bones uh, become living people again? It's like, so he brings you out, and, and he says, okay, oh, and he takes him into this valley, and, and Ezekiel looks around, and there are just bones all over the floor, all over the valley, everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. Bones, 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 old dried out bones. And he's like, hey, do you think that these bones can become living people again? 
And his answer was, so sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that question. It's a great question and a great answer. Hey, 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 people of Pensacola, I want to take, I want to get you in my car. I want, I want to just, God's like, I want, I want to get with you and I want you to drive around the town and I'm going to point out to you all the hurting pockets of pain in your city. And we're going to drive by and, and I'm going to open up your eyes and you're going to see the children who are crying and have been abandoned. You're going to see the parents that are being arrested or that are fighting. You're going to see mascara all over the face of a wounded wife. You're going to see a man enraged and he doesn't know what to do. You're going to see fear. You're going to see pain. And it's going to be so bad. It's going to make you cry. And then I'm going to ask you. Do you think there can be healing for people like that? Sometimes we look at these pictures and we think, oh man, it's too big of a need. I can't do anything. Who am I? What am I going to do? I don't know. I don't see how in the world you can bring back something that has had that much damage, that much pain. But that's not what Ezekiel said. Ezekiel didn't give his assessment. Well, Lord, I've assessed everything. And quite frankly, I think we're over our head. He just said, Lord, only you know. What do you want to do, God? I'm not here to give an opinion as to what I think. I'm here to help you accomplish what you think, what you want. And so here's where he began to speak it. Then he said to me, verse 4, Speak a prophetic message to these bones. I want you to preach to all these old dead dry bones. (laughs) That's just funny to me. Speak to these bones and say, Dry bones? Listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. He's like, I just want you to preach this message that God's going to bring you back to life. I want you to speak it. I want you in your mind, what comes out of your mouth, this is what I want you to say. We're going into Pensacola and we're going to eradicate our foster care crisis. We're going to do it in the name of Jesus. We're going to do it. I want you to begin just to speak it. I want, it has, those are the words I want coming out of your mouth. We're going to put an end to the suffering and pain in our community. God's called us to do that. It's something he wants done. And you're going to see it's going to happen. And as soon as he began to speak it, look at this. So I spoke the message just as he told me. And suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones. Then skin formed to cover their bodies. But they still had no breath in them. He's like, I saw bodies heal. Now, now there's still no spiritual, there's, there's no spiritual covering in them. But bodies are coming back to life. And so this is what I want you, the very first thing I want you to see is, God isn't just calling us to help physically rescue these children or put together back these families. Because as you continue reading, you can tell God wants to do something eternal in them. And so then he said to me, verse 9, 
Speak a prophetic message to the winds, son of man. Now this wind is pneuma, pneuma, where we get Holy Spirit, the breath of God from. It's same thing in, in Genesis where God breathed into man the breath of life and man became a living soul. It's, it's the pneuma. It's, it's, it's your breath in our lungs. It's the pneuma of God that brings us to life. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath from the four winds. Breathe, Holy Spirit, bring life into these dead bodies so that they may live. So I spoke the message as he commanded me. And breath came into their bodies and they all came to life and stood on their feet, a great army. Wow. That's it. We're not just going to rescue people physically. The Holy Spirit is going to get involved, and he, we're going to, God is going to save people, not just physically, but spiritually. God's going to rescue people. We, he's calling us to speak it. So in the middle of our fast, this is one thing I really need you to pray, is that as we begin to take into this community this message that God has given us, this command this move outside of our walls and into our community. The first thing he's calling us to do is speak life. Speak life, speak life. I listen to Caleb too much, right? But for those of you who listen to Caleb, you know what I'm talking about? And so if you've not been speaking it, this is what I need you to say. Every day, get up and say it. Just claim it and start speaking it. We at First City are going to go into this community and we're going to do something. God has called us to lift up our city and to make a difference in the lives starting with the hurting children in our community. And we're going to do it. In the name of Jesus, we're going to do it. Will you do that for me? I just need you, I need you to do it. I need you, God's given us, he's got this yearning in our hearts and it's growing and growing and growing. And like Jeremiah, it's become a burden in our bones and we just can't hold it in anymore. And so we've created a strategy for the last year and a half. We've been working on a system and a strategy so that everybody can get involved. What I need you to do is your first step as we're just starting this is I need you to speak it. Yep, I went to First City. I'm a member at First City and this is what we're doing. We're going into our hurting community and we are going to rescue hurting children. We're going to get into our foster care challenge opportunity and make a difference. By the way, it's not overwhelming. You know, the the number, we need 941 beds right now. 941 beds right now to really begin reaching out and helping these hurting children. You know what? We can do it. And now everybody in this church can't necessarily do all 941, but 20% of my time is going to be going to other churches and other businesses and inviting them to join us. And so, listen, God's going to go before us and it's going to happen. It's going to happen. What I need you to do is just start speaking into it. Just start speak. Just claim it as it is because we know it's something that God wants done. Will you do that for me? Will you do that? Can we do that together? Yes or no? Okay. If you'll just start speaking it. That's our first step. Speak it. Can these bones live? Can our community come to life? You know one verse of scripture that I failed to share with you that was at the very beginning? Annette, can you go back and find Ezekiel, the very last verse in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 48, verse 35. God has a vision for our city. He had a vision for Jerusalem. And this was his vision. 
The distance around the entire city will be six miles. That was the wall that they built around the city of Jerusalem. And from that day, the name of the city will be. When people say, hey, I want to visit Pensacola. Why? Because the blue angels are there. Because they got the white sandy beaches. Because they got a revitalized downtown. Have you eaten at the swinery yet? Do. It's awesome. After the fast. Nope. Let me tell you why I want to go to Pensacola. Say this with me. Because. Do you believe. I'm just, I'm just asking you. Do you believe. That the spirit of God is in you. In such a great way. That we can all unite. And do something in this city. In the name of the Lord. That will radically alter. The way people view our city. So that in just a small amount of time. This place will be known as a place. Where the Lord resides. Do you believe it? You got to see it before it will become a reality. And the more I can see it. The more I'm going to yearn for it. And the more I yearn for it. The more I'm going to find my role in it. And the more we all find our role in it. The more it will happen. Not because we're good, because we're talented, or because we're great. But because God is awesome. And He is powerful. And He wants to change our city. And He wants to rescue hurting children. And if James one twenty seven wasn't enough, pure and undefiled religion is this. You go rescue widows and orphans. That's as good as it gets. And I'll go with you. Okay. So I need you to speak that. Now, what did we design? So we've been talking about this. We've created this lift. Thank you so much, Annette. Lift is, instead of going around saying, hey, we've got this foster care initiative at our church. We're calling it lift. We've got this lift ministry. We're going to begin with foster care. When God really begins to work into that, we're going to go into other things. And so lift is its own identity. But we want to lift up. We want these dead bones to come alive. Starting with hurting children. We're going to go after hurting marriages. We're going to go after hurting businesses. We're going to go after hurting schools. We got 25% of our kids who go to bed hungry every night. We're going to go after poverty. We're going to, so we're going to lift is bigger than just foster care. But we had to start somewhere because the need's so great. So we're going to start right there. And everybody has a role in it. So when you begin to look down, how are we going to break that down? Does that mean that everybody has to be a foster care family? Nope. That would be awesome. But I don't know what God's calling you to do. I'm like, man, I'm pushing 60. I don't know if I can. I could probably be a foster care. But I don't know that I could adopt because I don't know that I'm going to be able to finish what I start. Okay, I get it. But what could I do? What could you do? So let me just show you this outline. Here's this outline. If you were to look at the system of what foster care means, when there's a broken home, and, and Brad could really speak a lot into this because he, he works with a, a lot. I hope I'm not revealing too much, Brad. With, with at-risk families that if something doesn't change, children could be removed from that home, correct? Thank you for what you do. And so... So there are families that are hurting. They make poor decisions. Maybe there's an arrest. Something happens. Or maybe there's the, the threat of abuse. And so there, there was 24,000 cases where the police had to go, called out last year, called out to see 
if there was abuse taking place in a home. That's a lot of calls. And there's even more where people never made the phone call, right? And so as all that begins to happen, homes are, and they go and they investigate. When it's bad enough, they'll remove the child from the home. When the child is removed, they have to go somewhere. We ask, well, can you take a child into your home for a short window of time so we can figure out what we're going to do next? And they go into one of three areas. Either they're going to be adopted or they're going to be timed out or they're going to go into foster care or to a group home, which is not a great alternative. But there are a lot of... And so these unbelievable families have said, I'm going to step into the crisis and I'm going to open up my home and let them sleep in a bed and feel the love of Jesus as we decide what we want to do. And then... And so there are three ways we can insert ourselves. To partner, to recruit, or to support. We are all starting as a church with support. What does that mean? Right now we have five foster care families. I'll talk more about this next week. There may be seven. Over this last week, there may be a couple of others joining in. And as a church, how can we wrap around those families and, and, and make sure that they have everything they need? That's our first step. Just to wrap around people who are already involved. And then next week, I'm going to lay out with you, and and I'm going to ask Randy Lawrence to come up, who's our coordinator for this effort, and we're going to lay out three different levels of participation. I can be a resource. I can cut their grass. I can take them groceries. I can buy them diapers. It's just a one level. How can we just be a resource? Level two, how can I do a relationship partnership? I'll babysit your kids and give you a date night out. I want to help in other ways as I get to know your family and as I support you. And then level three, I want to be a leader in it. I want to open up my home. I want to be a liaison. I want to do something deeper. Three different levels. We're going to start there. Meanwhile, some of us are already learning how to partner with these at-risk families and lead them to the Lord and show them the mercy and grace of Jesus. Or we're going to start recruiting other families all around the city. I'm going to lay that out for you next week. But if you'll start speaking it, God will make it happen. This is our time where now that we've heard the message, now that we know what God has called us into, we pause and pray. Over the next 10 minutes, this is just going to be a a house of prayer. If you're a guest, if you're visiting, you can just sit right where you are. You can ask your own prayer. You can write it or you can do any of these We have communion set up on the front tables and in the back. We're going to all stand up here together and we're going to come and share communion. So you can come and and eat the bread and drink the cup and just celebrate what Jesus has done for us. And then we have prayer teams who are going to be in the corners. And this is the place where we ask for prayer. And you can say to them, will you pray that God will show me my role? Or I have something I want to celebrate. Will you thank God for me for that? Or... Would you pray this into our life? And so you, you can come up and pray. You can stay where you are and just write out your own prayer by yourself. This is your time. But this is where, before we do anything else, we go to God and ask his blessing and covering over all of this. So if you'll stand with me, if you'll just stand with me, we're going to go into our time of prayer. Our prayer teams, if you'll go ahead and go and get in position, they have lanyards around their uh, that you can, they'll, it'll say prayer team and you pray with any of them, our shepherds, uh, Lori and, and uh, Neil, thank you. 
Beecher's, Wises, thank you so much. Let's pray and offer this time to God. Lord God, we heard your message loud and clear. We know what you're calling us to. And before we do anything else, we want to bow and honor your son Jesus in our time of communion and just pray these things into our life. Listen to our prayer. Honor this time in the name of Jesus. Amen. So if you will, go ahead and come out, come share in communion, pray with the team, and then you can go back to your seats and we'll end with a prayer song and worship.